welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. If you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 14 and Galatians chapter 5, we're doing this. Here we go. We're ending a series today called Wells and Fences, which asks some very important questions. Questions like, what kind of church do we want to be? What, uh, what's the energy behind the thing that is the thing? What, uh, wh- what will mark this community? And what, will, what kind of experience do we want people to have when they come and they participate in this community? So wells and fences, or a well and fences. For many of us, spiritual communities often feel like fences. Like there are fences erected and uh, they determine who's in and who's out. Uh, This is also known as a bounded set community, where the most important thing is the boundary and the the definition then of who is in and who is out. For myself, and I think for Awaken, we've said we want it to feel more like we want the energy of a centered set community, where it feels like we're gathered around a well, and it's less energy spent patrolling the edges and the boundaries, and more energy spent around what is the thing that unites us as a body of believers, That's called a centered set. So we're just saying out loud, the life and teachings, the the death and resurrection of Jesus the Christ is the well in the center, and we want to gather around that, well and fences. That's the series. Today we're going to end, and we're going to look at the last affirmation of the covenant church, which is freedom in Christ. So we've looked at what is the scripture or the centrality of scriptures, the necessity for new birth, who is Jesus, um, a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit, the, the, the... Church as a fellowship of believers, so what makes up the church, and then what is the church doing, what's the mission of the church, so those five, and then today, the sixth, freedom in Christ. So what is freedom? A great question to ask in America in 2019, right? What is freedom? By definition, according to the dictionary, um, and this would be on the screen, but uh, we don't have one today, so listen carefully, freedom is the quality or state of being free as the absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint, the quality or state of being free as liberation from slavery or restraint or from the power of another, the quality or state of being free as unrestricted use or political right. I don't think it's a stretch to say that when we talk about freedom in 2019 and in America, particularly in democracy, it's often related to me. And it's an individual freedom that I experienced, my personal liberty, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? That freedom is wrapped up in this conversation, and it's often about ourselves, individuals. I want to say that as we talk about freedom today, it's the, total, it's the exact opposite of that. This is not about your personal freedom when I say freedom in Christ, but rather, it's a gift that you give away, It's not something you consume or that you're entitled to, but because we're in Christ, we extend to our brother or our sister who's also in Christ, and it's a gift that we give to others, primarily and first and foremost. So uh, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at Romans chapter 14 and Galatians chapter 5, because these are two places in which Paul speaks about freedom uh, from kind of two different angles. So It's a bit of text, so I'm going to actually just have you stay seated this morning because I want you just to really listen, and we don't have a screen, so just pay close attention. Uh, So we'll start in Romans chapter 14, and then we'll move to Galatians chapter 5. So this is what Paul says in Romans 14. He takes a whole chapter to talk about this. I'm not going to read the whole thing, so we'll read selections. Starting in verse 2, he says this. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another, whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. 
The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Verse 5. One person considers one, more, one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. Whoever abstains does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. Skip to verse 13. Therefore, Paul says, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put a stumbling block or obstacle in the way of your brother or sister. I am convinced, Paul says, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it's unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for, for whom Christ died. Verse 19, he wraps it up. Let us, therefore, make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Don't destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but, it's wrong, it, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. So community and relationship comes first. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. Whatever you believe about these things, keep them between yourself and God. Galatians chapter 5. He's working this out at a higher level now. That's the specific. Now here's the theology behind it. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves, be uncircumcised, or let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you. Again, I declare it. To every man who lets himself be circumcised, he is obligated to obey the whole law. You're trying to be justified by the law you, uh, by the law have, let me start that over. You who are trying to be justified by the law have alienated, been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace, for through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith, the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. Verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Pray with me. Got it. As we gather this morning and as we turn our attention to your scriptures and um, we submit ourselves to the authority of them, we pray that you would teach us, that you would speak to us, that you would lead, that you would guide. Holy Spirit, would you be the loudest voice in the room? Open our eyes, open our ears, unlock doors, let us see you, hear you, experience you for who you truly are and nothing less, I pray. In the strong name of Jesus and all of God's people said together, amen. I want to look at this theologically and then I want to look at it practically. First, theologically, I'm going to go through this quickly because I've, I've talked about this before and I want to get to really landing the plane of why this matters for us as a community. So, theologically, what is Paul saying in these verses? First and foremost, Paul is saying you are set free from something and for something. You're both set free from something 
and for something else. So what are you set free from? First, Paul says you're set free from sin and sin's effect and sin's enslavement or sin's bondage in your life. So if you affirm faith in Christ and you've been, you've been born again, as Paul, Jesus says to Nicodemus in John 4, if you've had this experience of being coming, coming alive in Christ, you are set free from the effects of sin, that you are no longer a slave to this way of being human in the world. You're set free from sin and its effects. You're also set free from the law and its requirements. This is what he's talking about in Galatians 5. Lots of debate in the church about how to live this out, this newfound faith in Christ. These, many of them, were Jews. So there's debate about circumcision and about foods and what we can't and what we can't eat. Paul says you're set free from the requirements of the law. Why? Because Christ has satisfied the law. Insofar as you are in Christ, you're free. He says, listen... If you want to be judged by the law, if you want to keep living by the requirements of the law, you'll be judged by the law. And nobody wins there. No one can do it. No one can live up to it. Good news, good news, gospel, good news, friends. Christ has satisfied the law. So don't live as if you are not in Christ. You see what he's saying? You've been set free from sin. You've been set free from the law and its requirements. And you've been set free then from judgment. Oh, praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? You've been set free from judgment. What do I mean by that? I mean this. We have a desire to stand as judge over and above others. Where does this come from? Genesis chapter 3. The serpent says to Eve, did God really say? Which introduces a question of, of, of whether or not God is holding out on us. Is God really truly good? Is God really truly benevolent? And is God giving abundance to you and I? Meaning, do you have everything you need? Do you lack anything? Is there anything that you need that you don't already have? Paul says you, everything you have, everything you need is already yours. It is hidden with God in Christ. Is that true? If it's not true, you have to get it from somewhere else. Insert judgment and comparison. So here's how it works. If I don't believe that everything is already mine, that my worth, my value, uh, my 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 sense of, of being is, is given to me. It's a gift, and it's already mine. If I don't believe that, then I have to get it from somewhere else. And so the difference between you and me, the gap that exists between you and me, I derive meaning and value from. And I put me above you, and you do the same to me, right? And we judge each other. Guess what? You don't have to play that game. That's how the world works. That's how the whole system works. That I get, I ask, I, 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 I uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I assess you, and I assess me, and I distinguish the distance between you and me, and I gain value from that distance. You don't have to play. You don't have to judge. You are free for love. You're free from judgment, and you're free for love. See, this is, it's, oh, isn't that good news? The, the world is playing a game, and everybody sizes each other up, and it's this or that, and it's me or you, and then we gain value based on that distance that's between you and me. Praise Jesus, you're set free from having to do that because everything you have, everything you need is already yours. It's a gift. God is not holding out. God is, in fact, good and abundant and benevolent and loving. And if that's true, then I can rest. I can stand right here and I can say, I am loved. I am a child of God. I'm a, a son of the king. And I don't need to gain value or worth based on the difference between you and me. Do you see how that works? So you're set free from judgment 
which means you're set free for love. You are free to ascribe worth and value to every human you come in contact with. You are free to agree with God that every person you meet, whether they agree with you or disagree with you, whether they are mean or they're lovely, you are free to ascribe worth and value to them because Christ ascribes worth and value to them, because they're made in the image of God. That's what you're free to do. Hallelujah, right? I mean, what would happen if the world did that? What would happen if the church did that? So you're set free from sin, and it's, you're set free from the law, you're set free from judgment, and you're set free for love. This is what Paul's working out theologically. It's so beautiful. I wish I had days and weeks to talk about it. I've only got five minutes, and that's up. Practically, what does this mean? How do we work this out in our context? What Paul is saying, in Romans 14 especially, is that on disputable matters, love matters more. So when there is question about interpretation or there's question about how to work something out among believers, Paul's saying, on disputable matters, love is the most important thing. Nothing else trumps that. It is the highest good. Faith working itself out in love. I can't say it any more simply. David Nival, a covenanter who has long since passed, says this. There is no common fixed creed or special doctrine that binds the churches together, covenant churches, yet they are harmonious in faith and preaching, being in sympathy with evangelical orthodoxy and holding to the New Testament as the standard. Get this now. Where differences of theology coexist with a pure Christian life and faith in Jesus... These are permitted to exist as unavoidable in our imperfect knowledge of the truth. Do you see what he's saying? When there is a difference of opinion, when there is, well, let me back up. When there is a, a, a real and alive faith, an encounter with the living God, and then there are differences of interpretation, we allow those to coexist. Now let's get to why. Paul, in, in Romans chapter 14, is working this out. He uses food, he uses sacred days, and he uses drinking alcohol. He's arguing, and he takes the whole chapter to do it, that on matters that are disputable, on matters that are secondary or non-essential, love matters the most. And because you are in Christ, you are free to let love lead. Everybody take a deep breath in. Exhale. You're free to let love be your response. On disputable matters, love matters the most. You're free to extend freedom to your brother or sister in Christ, which in this case is not asking them to agree with you. Right? Remember, freedom is the absence of necessity, coercion, constraint or liberation from slavery or restraint or the power of another, you're free to give your brother or sister this gift. In Christ, the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. Faith in God, that God will be God, and I don't have to play that role as judge. Neither do you. <laughs> faith that in Christ, all of my value and worth and my identity is decided. 
gosh, that is so relaxing and so relieving, which is why I say, like my, my learning of 40, I'm not afraid anymore. Right? Like, hallelujah. If that's true, I can just stand here and love you. <laughs> so good. Here's the key. Paul says, in these matters where people are arguing and churches are debating and splitting and making the world a worse place, stop passing judgment on each other. Instead, whatever you believe about these things, these non-essential, secondary, disputable matters, hold them. Like, have convictions. Be informed by the scriptures. Let the spirit lead, right? Hold a conviction. But he says, did you notice? He says, keep it to yourself. <laughs> and as you do, hold them with the proper weight, which is loosely. Oh, yeah, at this point in my life at 42, based on scripture and the spirit and what I know, this is what I think about this, but I could be wrong. Wouldn't that be great if the church said, or, or at your family gathering at Thanksgiving, someone was like, you know, based on like my life and what I believe about the scriptures and Jesus and, or whatever the reasons, this is what I think, but I could be wrong. Tell me your perspective. <sighs> Crikey. That doesn't seem that hard, but somehow we just cannot do it. So I'd love for you to imagine, here's, I'm going to just give you a list of things that are disputable matters that Christians disagree with or disagree on. Um, how old the earth is? 6,000 years or a billion years? Or 6 billion or whatever the latest version that is. Or somewhere in between, right? Um, pacifism as the only response of followers of Jesus and just war. Like, it's okay in certain circumstances for a Christian to respond with violence. Um, Adam and Eve, real people, allegory. Jonah, happened, ah, good story. Like, pretty, pretty common story in the ancient world. Esther, uh, Noah, the flood, actually happened, allegory. There are lots of ancient flood stories, right? Christians who love the Bible, love Jesus, come to different conclusions on these matters. Christians' response to divorce and remarriage. Like, is it ever okay, aside from uh, uh, abuse or infidelity, to be remarried after divorce? Christians have different opinions on that. When will Jesus come back? Pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, millennial, amillennial? Oh, wait. There are, there are denominations who debate and who have split over these matters, which just sounds asinine, because it is. Do you believe that God is sovereign in control over every moment and every molecule, or is there a little bit of openness in the system? Open theism, Calvinism. Um, Same-sex relationships. Can you read scripture and affirm same-sex relationships, or you don't, right? These are just a host of, of examples. Now, if we were to gather a group of people up here and we're all to link arms and then start going through those and saying, if you affirm this, stay in the circle. If you don't, you leave. If you affirm this, stay in the circle. Like, people would just, all, and we would be left with nothing because none of you agree on all of those things. But what if we just said, if you affirm faith in Christ, link arms, gather around. Can you picture it? The church gathered, linked arms, affirming faith in Christ, doing good work, good news, gospel work in the world, Trusting the Spirit is in my brother as much as it, the Spirit is in me. Going back to the scriptures together. Giving deference and forbearance and humility and grace to each other as we live in community and work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That is compelling. 
You don't get it if you don't have freedom in Christ. It's the secret sauce, my friends. It, it, like, With a modesty born of confidence in God, covenanters have offered to one another theological and personal freedom where the biblical and historical record seems to allow for a variety of interpretations. This commitment of freedom has kept the covenant church together when it would have been easier to break fellowship and further divide Christ's body. I just don't think the world needs more of that. So I'm saying, we're saying as a church, to affirm this idea, to say that there is a well in the center, and in that well is the life and teaching, death and resurrection of Jesus, and any and all, doesn't matter what direction you come from, that's what we're gathering around. Why? Because we believe there is life there, and we believe people's lives are changed there and transformed there, and I've experienced it, and you've experienced it. And so we're affirming that, and that is what unites us. That's what galvanizes us. That's the gravitational pull. That's the mojo. That's the juice. Come on now. First hour got ripped off. I am hot. <laughs> Let me close by saying this. I'm going to land this plane. I'm going to land this plane. And I'm going to do it very specifically and like tune, tune in here, okay? Get your ears on. Tonight at our annual meeting, we're voting on a very important statement that has been drafted. And if you read it carefully, it was 17 pages, I recognize, but if you read it carefully, you'll notice that there was, that statement has a title, and I will say that was very intentional. It is called, The Statement regarding the affirmation of freedom in Christ as it relates to human sexuality. Let me say a few things about this. This is primarily about freedom. It is not a discussion about same-sex relationships, primarily. The highest order here is freedom in Christ. We worked really hard as a team to produce something that was rooted in our tradition and our theology and our history that was reflective of the best of the covenant so that as we offer it to each other and to the broader church, it's just covenant. The most important part of this statement is that it is addressing and calling on the affirmation that we hold of freedom in Christ. And it's this affirmation, friends, precisely this one, that allows us to do this series and say we want to be a well and not fences. Without it, all that's left is theological and doctrinaire, like, rightness. And I just think that game's up. So this statement is about freedom in Christ. Because we're saying this is a matter that is important, like lives depend on it, that important. But it is not essential. By that I mean we are not asking everyone to agree. And so, it's a statement regarding the affirmation of freedom in Christ, primarily. Now, we're working out freedom in Christ, particularly as it relates to human sexuality. Now, you might be thinking, why, Micah? That seems very interesting. I'll say this, as a pastor, I've been doing this 20 years, and the most common question that I get when someone is coming to awaken and they are new and they're trying to find a home, whether they be conservative or progressive on this particular topic, this is the question. Micah, what is awaken's posture in the conversation regarding same-sex relationships? It is by 10 to 1 the most common question I get. 
Whether you want to admit it or not, whether you want to participate in it or not, I would argue that this conversation for American Western Christianity is the most important question. It's the most important conversation. And so, we want to have it. Internally, at Discover Awaken, if you come, or if you come to a partnership class, I talk about this. Like, what's our posture? We welcome anyone who affirms faith in Christ to be a member, a partner in our church. We welcome anyone who's called and gifted to lead. We've been talking about that. We've been saying that for years. But it takes like two, three, four steps to get to that place, to get that information. And so when the most common question people are asking is, what's your posture on this? But it takes four steps for someone to get there, to get it, or to just like ask me or Jenna or an advisory team member, like, can I have coffee with you and ask that face-to-face? We just felt like, I felt like, for a group of people, many of whom have been harmed, have been hurt, have been discarded, or have been asked to leave the church, it would have... I and our advisory team agreed that it would be kind and compassionate to anyone seeking a church home to be able to access that information without having to risk themselves personally. And so we just wanted to say, this is what we're doing, because I think it's kind and it's compassionate. So we're working out freedom in Christ in this conversation, because to not do so, I think, is a pastoral miss for all people who are coming to awaken, regardless of their orientation or their conviction on what scripture says. Now, I want to be crystal clear about this next point, because I'm not sure I have been as clear as I want to be. To those of you who hold a traditional view on marriage and same-sex relationships, not only are you welcome, but your voices are valued and needed so long as you're willing to offer full participation in the life of our church to our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. You're willing to extend freedom to your brothers and sisters in Christ who disagree with you, even if they're your pastors. And three, so long as your posture is one of a learner on the journey marked by grace, humility, charity, and love. Now, if you hold a progressive view on marriage and same-sex relationships. Not only are you welcome, or if you identify as LGBTQ, not only are you welcome, but your voices are valued and needed so long as you view your brothers and sisters who disagree with you on this as learners on the journey who are trying to be faithful to Scripture as best they can. You are willing to extend freedom in Christ to your brothers and sisters at Awaken who disagree with you, even if they're your pastors. Your posture is one of a learner who is on the journey marked by grace, humility, charity, and love. Click deeper. I want to take an extra minute because this is important. If you're here and you can and do read scripture and come to a place of celebrating and affirming same-sex relationships, you can, I'm going to invite you to not demean or disparage those who are here that have not and may not come to that place. They have come to that conviction because of their deep love of Scripture and their commitment to its authority in their lives. These are brothers and sisters in Christ who do not want to be on the wrong side of history, so let's stop saying that. These are brothers and sisters in Christ who do not want to demean the dignity of a brother and sister who is here or the humanity of a brother or sister who is here. 
These are people who are trying to be faithful to the text. And this one is so important. At Awaken, this is likely a minority position and voice, based on my assessment of this community. So those who find themselves here or there, uh, in our tradition as covenanters, we have deemed important and necessary the preservation of dissenting voices and minority positions. Because when we lose them, we become an echo chamber of agreement. Do you see what I'm saying? And when we become an echo chamber of agreement, we actually move away from what we are stating we want to be, which is a community desperate for the Holy Spirit to be in our midst, which is a community who is committed to the scriptures and going back to the scriptures together, a, com a, a community that's open to new and fresh movements of God's spirit. The irony is, we're asking the covenant to keep space for us as a dissenting church. I'm asking that as a pastor. And if the covenant can't do it for me, and we can't do it for each other, then what are we doing? So we have to hold space for one another, even if we never agree on this matter, so long as we're committed to doing it in a way that's dignified, respectful, kind, and loving. I don't put my pastor hat on very often, but this one I felt like I needed to. And this is, a, this is an invitation to you and to each other. If we lose this space where people are free to go to the scriptures, to read them honestly and authentically, and come to different conclusions than you, then we lose the whole thing. And as a pastor, I will not, on my watch, allow that to happen. So I will fight to carve out space, even for people who I disagree with, on this matter or another matter, or on any other matter. Why? Because you're in Christ, and I'm in Christ, and together we're at the well. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, right? Come on, people. So this will require maturity. This will require wisdom. This will require people with gray hair and people without gray hair. This will require all walks of life, straight and gay, all of us together around the well. It's going to require like emotional intelligence and spiritual maturity to keep walking this out. And frankly, freedom is harder. Do you guys remember Shawshank Redemption? When Brooks gets let out of prison after spending his whole life confined to the regiment of, of the lack of freedom, right? All the rules and all the regulations, everybody knows exactly what's expected of them. And when you step out of line, to some, such freedom, the kind I'm speaking about, this is from the Covenant Affirmations, to some, such freedom is no freedom at all. They would rather have the marching orders clear and an unimpeachable source of authority to bear the whole burden of responsibility. It is not easy to be free, but such limitations of freedom show not wisdom, but immaturity. Whew. Friends, you are free. You're free in Christ. You are free from sin and its effect. You are free from the law and its requirements. You are free from judgment and judging each other. And you're free for love. The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. Paul said it. I think that's pretty important. Jesus said it. Slam dunk.
Your freedom is not a gift for you and your entitlements, but rather something you extend to one another. It comes from a confidence and faith and trust in God revealed in Christ. The Covenant Church seeks to focus on what unites followers of Jesus rather than what separates them. The center of our commitment is clear faith in Christ. The centrality of the word, necessity of new birth, commitment to the mission of the church, the fellowship of believers, and a conscious dependence on the spirit are the parameters in which freedom is experienced. Here, followers of Christ find security. I'm okay. I'm in Christ. You're okay. You're in Christ. To offer freedom to one another on issues that might otherwise divide. I think that's really good news. And that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. I'm going to ask my friend Matt to come and share a little bit about what this idea of freedom in Christ has meant to him. And we've asked people from the the congregation in each one of these gatherings to do so. So we welcome my friend Matt Kim. Hi, all. Well, I have a couple gray hairs, so I guess I'm in. Not that we're talking about, anyways. Uh. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, so my name is Matthew Kim. Uh, I've been a Wiccan partner for a, a little over two years, and I'm very appreciative of the concept of uh, well and fences, uh, and the covenant affirmations more generally because they've uh, they've given me the language to help articulate a lot of the thoughts and ideas that have been kind of percolating in my mind for the better part of my adult life. A little over 20 years ago, uh, as a young college student, I read the book, uh, What's So Amazing About Grace, uh, by Philip Yancey. And in that book, Yancey tells a a brief story about C.S. Lewis. Um, During a conference on comparative religion, experts from around the world debated what belief, if any, was unique to Christianity. And as the story goes, the debate went on for some time until uh, Lewis finally wandered into the room. And he said, "Uh, what's the rumpus about? Which has to be a true quote, because who talks like that? After being told the topic of discussion, Lewis responded, oh, that's easy, it's grace. What is grace? Yancey contends that grace is far easier to convey than it is to define. Uh, And fortunately for us, Jesus conveyed grace, both in the stories of grace of others that he told and by extending grace to others in the way he lived his own life. Uh, For example, uh, Jesus told the story of the grace of the loving father who lavishly celebrated the return of his prodigal and wayward son. Jesus told the story of the grace of the vineyard owner who, uh, who had the gall to pay all of the vineyard workers the same wages, regardless of how many hours they actually worked. Uh, Jesus extended the grace to the 5,000 who came to hear him speak but irresponsibly left their lunches at home. <laughs> uh, Jesus extended grace to the Samaritan woman by simply uh, talking with her and offering her living water. Uh, Some of you still might be wondering uh, what all this talk of grace has to do with the affirmation of freedom in Christ, uh, which is a fair question. Uh, So here it is. Um, I believe that extending freedom in Christ to one another is an act of grace. Grace sees people for who they are, not for what they've done, not for what they believe. Grace doesn't judge right or wrong. In fact, grace maintains that focusing on right or wrong is missing the point. In the same way, whenever we extend freedom in Christ to one another, uh, within the context of the other covenant affirmations, we affirm our mutual commitment to seek truth and partnership instead of in opposition. Uh, In the language of centered and bounded sets, grace, and by extension, the affirmation of freedom in Christ, is what encourages 
and enables us to seek a well instead of policing the fences. Uh, to be clear, affirming, affirming freedom in Christ is not about moral relativism. It's not about agreeing to disagree so that we can avoid discussing the hard questions. Uh, rather, affirming freedom in Christ is exercising the freedom we give each other so that we can discuss the hard questions. By extending freedom in Christ uh, to each other, we gift ourselves the relational and theological space to ask hard questions and tackle confusing, difficult, or even potentially hurtful aspects of Christianity because we can approach each other in community from a posture of grace, collaboration, and authentic discovery instead of a posture of judgment, debate, and predetermined correct answers. Uh, a similar idea was expressed by the recent and former uh, ECC president, Gary Walter, uh, who wrote, uh, quote, hard conversations are part of discipleship. They can lead to greater fidelity in our walk with God and in service. Within the boundaries of all of our other affirmations, uh, we, expend, we extend space to each other. The affirmation of the reality of freedom in Christ means we actually anticipate that there may, may well be various opinions. The ECC is not a self-contained echo chamber that only reinforces to each other a single voice or perspective. We want to live respectfully in the polishing cross currents gained by wrestling with matters together biblically and with hope. Uh, in this sermon series, Micah has invited us to ask ourselves, uh, what kind of church do we want to be? And whenever we extend freedom of Christ to one another, we extend grace to one another. And it is the gift of grace uh, that draws us towards and allows us to gather around a well without fences. Uh, thank you very much. Would you pray with me? God, as we take a moment to still our hearts and listen to the often small and quiet voice of the Spirit, I pray that you would, again, that you would open doors, that you would unlock doors, that you would speak, that our eyes and our ears and our hearts would be opened to the work that you are doing, wanting to do in each of us. So do your work. Six years ago, on a Sunday morning at the Joke Joint, right before we were welcomed into the covenant as a church, we had a Sunday where we asked, like, are you in? Is this the place you want to call home and that you want to invest yourself in and that you want to bring all of, your, all of who you are to? And it was called Charter Member Sunday, even though we didn't have members or partners at that point. But it was just a chance for people to say, like, I, I'm, I'm gathering around the well. We felt like today was actually a really important moment in the life of our church, this morning and tonight. And um, I'm not interested in being a pastor of any other church if it's not about this. And so for me, it was important to kind of say, like, are you in? Is this something you want to be a part of? And is this what, does this express us? Am I like onto something? Do I have the pulse of this community or not? And so at FedEx on Robert Street right now are two posters because they close at six and I thought it was a 24-hour place. And we were going to have you come and like 
reaffirm your commitment to this well and this, this idea. And they were going to be right up here, front, right and left, and you were going to come. So if you just close your eyes and imagine, you know, the throngs of people coming to gather around this well and sign their names on that. And then we're going to have those framed and we're going to hang those in the church. If you go out and hang a right before you leave in what's the baptistry, actually, uh, the first version of that is on the wall. So I'll have them tonight if you're back at the annual meeting and you can add your name to that if that's your heart's desire. And if you're not sure, that's okay. If you're just checking this place out or if you found that, like, I'm not sure I, I could commit myself to this place. Blessings. But if it is, you're going to have an opportunity to just say that. And it would have been beautiful had they been here. So I'll just have to ask you to imagine that. Um, and then maybe t- next week we'll do it sort of retroactively. Um, so as we sing, um, we picked some songs that we felt like captured the spirit of what we're trying to say and what we want to be about. Uh, and I want to invite you to, if you don't know them, to just listen. Let this team sort of bless you with them and sing them over you as a, as a vision, as a hope for our community. Um, if you want to pray, our prayer space is available. It always is. There are people there if you want to pray with somebody or if you don't, that's fine too. And then on the last song, which we've ended uh, every gathering in this series, this song called Open Up, I just ask you to stand as a congregation to say like, our hope and our desire is that when we experience the love of God in Christ, that it opens us, that we become more gracious and more compassionate and more loving and more authentic. So as a church, It's the life and teachings, the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's the well. And if you want that, welcome. Welcome home. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you his peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the church gathered said together, Grace and peace, my friends. Find us online at or on Facebook at Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.